back to these go to 11 once again i'm nathan bell greg dutcher sitting across from me greg what's going on man man i am glad nathan today i'm exhausted that we are not taking on the current presidential election <laughs> i mean that's uh two weeks we're doing that in two weeks right yeah dude i'm so beat down by everything i've turned on or i i i, I don't when do i never have thoughts or words <laughs> So now I've got two weeks to sort out this disastrous mess in my mind That's right. and maybe offer something of mild clarity. That's so right. Two weeks, but we are on that one, Nathan, to give a promo, bringing back yep. Shaheen yep. and Emily Yes, uh, that we had on a few months ago, which was a tremendously well-received That's right. Podcast. And that's why we're bringing them back on, yes. because you and I don't have thoughts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's where you and I sit back and we're surfing the internet. You know, looking at the new iPhone and letting them talk <laughs> and uh, weighing in occasionally. But, yeah, I, I'm not even going to comment other than to say, uh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I'm more excited about our guest today and who we get to talk about. That's right. And we're going to uh, get to her in just a moment. Uh, but first, word from our sponsor, Mission Aware. Mission Aware. MissionAware.com. Uh, they've been partnering with us for several months now. We couldn't be more thrilled about mm-hmm. it. Uh, check out their website, Mugs. I always love to talk about the morning surge with Spurge. How many people get a coffee mug with Spurgeon on it? Come on, man. That rocks. <laughs> I often wonder if Spurgeon could have seen a glimpse in the future and found his face on a coffee mug. I don't know how he would have felt, but who cares? <laughs> He's in glory. We get to have this awesome preacher on our morning coffee mug and That's right. uh, take us into the Metropolitan Tabernacle. So uh, if you go to missionalware.com, you'll see all their great products. They just are incredibly well done graphically, um, you know, great posters on the entire Book of Romans. Uh, enter our special These Go to 11 promo code, the word SUSTAIN, to get a great discount. And uh, several of our listeners have told us they've done it. Uh, and uh, that it's worked out really well for them. So thank you, Mission Aware. That's right. And um, just a quick word uh, about the winner from the Sam Alberry contest that we did. We said we were going to give away uh, one book, and it was Calvinist Colson who won the drawing on that one. No way. So, yeah. Dude, yeah. that's got to be fixed, man. <laughs> hey, Phil, you've been a guest on this program, and you happen to win <laughs> – that's what the young people call Cray. I, I think he got one of his um, one of his teammates over there on uh, the Avengers to help him rig it. I think know? so, man. Maybe Tony Stark got in yeah. there and uh, rigged <laughs> he, the contest. He he does have access to that kind of stuff, dude. He there's, does. There's no doubt about it. He's got cool access. So, well, we're happy for you, Phil. And uh, Phil might be making another appearance at some point. I know. So, uh, it's coming on here soon. So, yeah. um, and then to let our audience know that the guests we have on today, we plan on, uh, giving away through PNR publishing, uh, three copies of her book, uh, Rondi Ladderbach, her book, hungry. Rondi, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing very well, thank you. Rondi, we just want to uh, give you a few minutes here. Um, You are a good friend of Elise Fitzpatrick, who we've had on the podcast before. So our listeners have had a chance to get to know her. Um, Go ahead and let them have a chance to get to know you a little bit. Okay, thanks. Yes, Elise and I have been friends for about 12 years, and I'm so thankful for that friendship. Um, I am a pastor's wife. My husband, Mark Lauterbach, uh, he and I have been in several cities, pastoring different churches for 35 years. Um, I'm also a mother of three, and all my kids are married and out of the house, and now I have four grandkids. Awesome. Nice. 
very happy time of life. Wow. Wow. That's great. And uh, uh, before we went on air today, Rhonda, you were saying you, you're you um, probably somewhat uh, in transition still because you just moved, right, from San Diego to – well, you tell us. Tell us about your move. Yes. yes. We just moved from San Diego and our beloved church and friends there to Tucson, Arizona, where um, my husband will be serving on the pastoral team of Rincon Mountain Presbyterian Church. And we're looking forward to some overseas work as well as continued serving locally. Wow. Very cool. Fantastic. Lots, Fantastic. Lots of ahead. Have to ask, how close are you now to your grandchildren or some of your grandchildren? Who's the closest? Oh. Okay. Don't make me talk too long on this. Don't let me talk too long. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. They're not very close. They okay. live in Minneapolis and in D.C. and Southern Virginia. So. Oh. Uh, yeah, but maybe step by step. Maybe we'll keep moving each step. <laughs> I was going to say, every, every year or two, you guys just move another 100 miles east, uh, yeah. and you get a little bit closer, and oh, Ronnie, that's terrible, because Nathan and I could see your grandkids sooner than you could at the moment, yeah. right? I know. I'll give you their address. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that would terrify them if they saw two guys like Nathan and I rolling up the block. <laughs> yeah, that's where everybody is pulling down their shutters and stuff saying, get out of here. They, uh, we, we tend to lower property values. But um, no, that – so obviously you two, what I love about it is my sense from you, Rhonda, even in the brief time we've talked, is you and your husband are on mission and uh, wherever the Lord is taking you. Um, it's pretty obvious to me that you want to follow. And, uh, I know those sacrifices are, are many, uh, particularly when you're away from grandchildren. Um, you know, I, I loved seeing my own parents become grandparents because mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. wait a minute, you never let us do that. Wait a minute. You never let us do that. And they said, <laughs> I know, um, exactly. you know, yeah. and of course my favorite is when they had watched the kids until they get sick. And yes. uh, then they drop them right back off. <laughs> they, they hand them back. They hand them back. Well, last year we flew to Virginia to D.C. to watch the grandkids for ten days while wow. their parents went to Hawaii. Oh for the wow! Anniversary. And at the end of that, we were glad to go home to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you thought nice place to visit. You've been there, but uh, <laughs> different place now. Very very neat. That's great. Um, so, Rondi, tell us a little bit about um, your book. Once again, um, this is a book that you've published through PNR Publishing Company, who we've um, had a partnership with for probably a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just tell us a little bit about, about this book. Summarize it for us. Yep. Yes. Well, Hungry is a book that falls into two parts. Um, part one is called Hungry, and part two is called Plenty. Mm-hmm. Because I want um, us all to stop and take a long look at our spiritual hunger, to become aware of the hungers of our souls. And as we do that and start to become personally aware, then we can go to Scripture and see that hunger is a topic through the whole Bible, Mm -hmm. starting in the garden Mm -hmm. and finishing in the New Jerusalem. And when I saw that and and talked through, I call it following the breadcrumbs of our hunger through Scripture— I saw that Christ was at the center of our spiritual hunger. So part two is how to cook a meal, how to see Christ for yourself from your Bible. Yes. Um, I'm wanting all of us to grow in Christ-centered Bible reading. To have, If we go to a church where Christ is preached from Scripture, from the pulpit, then we should be able to come into our homes and daily learn to see him and feed on him in the Scripture. 
Mm. That's so good. Excellent. Isn't that, Nathan? Just, uh, I love the layout. Uh, Hungry, plenty. And that's a phrase you use in the book, Rondi, the uh, following the breadcrumbs. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I wish we weren't doing this, Nathan, because I'd steal it, use it, preach it. (laughs) Rondi, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to delay this podcast a year. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we'll put a little caveat at the beginning that I gave you that idea for your book. <laughs> we, we, we openly fleece on this podcast for <laughs> selfish benefit. But um, that's great. And I just want to let our audience know, too, again, the book is Hungry. And I just have um, – yeah, you've got a couple of neat endorsements here, uh, Ronnie. I've done a, a little bit of writing myself. And uh, uh, these uh, these endorsements, though, were um, – we're out of my league, and I say that in the oh. highest uh, way possible to commend you because Michael Horton uh, has written some meals uh, require an appetite and others create one. This book is of the latter type. As the prayer book puts it, quote, let us learn, mark, and inwardly digest the word of God, unquote. And I think you'll find, as I have, that Rondi Lauterbach is a masterful chef. That uh, What an encouraging word there from Dr. Horton, and I'm Absolutely. sure um, – that was uh, that was meaningful, and I'll give another by Nancy Guthrie, uh, yeah. my wife, a very very big fan. Uh, it's a blend of fresh ingredients, personal story, biblical theology, keen insight, and practical application makes it highly recommended. Uh, so just to let our audience know, um, these are some some wonderful Bible teachers, scholars, authors themselves that are uh, highly uh, commending this book, and and we wish to do the same. Um, can you tell us, Rondi, obviously, I guess the most natural question for any author is what prompted you to write this? Did this come out of a personal uh, journey on your own? Did it come out through sort of basic Bible study? Talk, uh, uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I actually kind of backed into this topic. Um, it was eight years ago that I wanted to teach the women in our church how to study the scriptures and encourage them. I wanted to motivate them. Uh, in their study of the scriptures, and I'd come up with a cooking analogy that I thought might make it friendly. You know, you're always trying to take away that legalistic um, mindset that we get in where studying the scriptures becomes a duty. So I thought, oh, I'll make it fun. I'll talk, make it like it's cooking a meal. Well, then I thought, oh, a meal, I need to talk about appetite then. And so I did. I had one session on appetite, and then I went into how to see Christ in your Bible. But as I began to write the book, I realized that the topic of appetite was huge and that our hunger, I really needed to focus on that and unpack that because I found it was huge for me personally. I started to see the hungers of my own soul as I began doing this study. Hmm. And uh, so this book ended up feeling very personal as I delved into that topic. Wow. Wow. Well, talk to us a little bit about that first part, because I think that's fascinating. And by the way, Nathan and I sort of looked at each other. We already can tell why you and Elise are good friends. Mm -hmm. And I love the way you are approaching this because often um, as a pastor myself, teaching um, people about, you know, how to study the Bible uh, boy, the moment you start talking about it, it's hard not to sort of make it this sterile, clinical, duty-bound thing. Um, yes. you, you could yes. throw the occasional you know, qualifier, oh, this should be a delight, etc. But I love how you start with appetite and try to encourage people to explore 
that the fact that there is this very real hunger. So um, go a little deeper with us on that. What what did you learn in your own research and what you've shared in your book about our hunger? Well, well, I started, as I said, I started seeing hunger everywhere in my own life. And I realized that um, spiritual hunger, similar to physical hunger, drives us. It drives us without our even naming it. Mm-hmm. to pursue things, uh, to try to feed ourselves. And things like um, the, some of the hungers, the way to recognize spiritual hunger in your life, I think, is to just ask yourself, what do I, what do I obsess over? Mm-hmm. What is it that keeps me up at night? That's probably a good clue to what is your major hunger at a certain time. It could be loneliness. It could be insecurity. Um, could be fears about your children, anger that you've been betrayed. There are all kinds of hungers that sort of rumble around in our souls. And then some of them suddenly become a strong craving that we need to, we need to have it fed. Mm-hmm. It seems to me um, that spiritual hunger is a topic that rings true with everyone. I, I, uh, t- my side job is teaching Pilates at a Pilates studio oh, in San Diego. I don't yet have a, have a gig here in Tucson. But as I would listen to my clients and listen to my fellow Pilates teachers, many of whom were not Christians, I would hear the same kinds of spiritual hungers that I was experiencing. So I really wanted to write a book for them as well as for my Christian friends. Their, their, their questions and their comments were in my mind as I wrote this. Hmm. So, Rondi, how would you classify this book? I mean, is this a book of apologetics? Is this a Bible study book? Is this a personal devotion study book? What kind of category would you put this book into? Because I I feel like I'm hearing a lot of different things within this book. Yes, my my book is having an identity crisis, just like I am. It uh, It is a book of show and tell. It is a book, it is definitely a Christian book with Christ on the cover. So I wouldn't expect anyone who has no interest in Christ to pick it up off the bookshelf. Sure. It, it is written so that a Christian can understand these things and learn how to see Christ in Scripture. But it's also written with the outsider to Christ in my mind so that I don't bring up any Scripture without explaining it. I try not to use insider language. Mm. Um, I just want to make it friendly to someone in whom God is working or who's become aware of their hunger and they want to hear what the Bible has to say. Um, I hope that Christians will buy it and that then they'll buy one for their non-Christian friend. That would be my hope. Oh, excellent. Yeah, excellent. Ronnie, uh, I, I believe the little bit I've read about the book because uh, we've not had the privilege of reading it yet. It's certainly on our list. Um, and that's one of the great things about this podcast. We get to talk to these great authors and then just when I thought my bookshelves couldn't take anymore, (laughs) um, more and more great books come in. But, uh, I believe you, you talk in the book, do you not? Because there seems to me to be a pretty close relationship between hunger, um, and idolatry. And uh, I think that's something you delve into in the book. Could you, could you unpack, uh, uh, unpack that for us a little bit? Definitely. Definitely. Well, just like, um, just like in the, in the garden, when sin entered the world, 
our hungers were corrupted, all of them, our physical hungers and our spiritual hungers. Our hunger, when it's unleashed, can become an enemy. Can Our hunger can become cursed. But Christ is redeeming our hungers. Yes. So our idolatries are just one form of hunger gone wrong. Um, hunger, an idol being a craving, an idol, idols and addictions are, of course, very similar. Mm-hmm. They're sort of two sides of the same coin. But a craving, an addiction that you don't seem to be able to control, we've experienced that with foods, and we experience that with the hungers of our heart. Yes. When we obsess over something, maybe it's the safety of our kids, you know, and we just want to make our child safe. And before we know it, we are acting out of that craving, and it does not produce good actions. Idols would be then just making something our God, our functional God at the moment. And our hungers will do that. When our hungers drive us to things, we find that they are, we're we're feeding an idol when we try to satisfy that hunger. And that's the wrong way to treat it. But I want to just back up a step because I I know that's a super important topic for Christians. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking that Spiritual hunger, you know, we get embarrassed about our hunger. We get embarrassed about our hunger. We think, geez, why am I always so hungry? Why am I never satisfied? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And I think our embarrassment about our hunger, seeing it as just a problem, leads us to spiritual eating disorders. Mm-hmm. That then we want to hide. We want to like hiding in the closet and eating all the potato chips and coming out because we are trying to fix it on ourselves or by ourselves. So I really want to encourage us all to come out of the closet with our hungers to bring them to God. Because in fact, God created us with hunger in order to bring us to himself. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, um, getting some echoes of C.S. Lewis in what you've so beautifully said, Rondi. And, you know, I, I know in other places he's written, you know, a, a fish longs to swim and there's such a thing as water, right? A bird longs to fly and there's such a thing as the <clears throat> air. And I think <clears throat> poorly paraphrasing, <clears throat> forgive me, Clive Staples, but, um, the, I love uh, that quote. You, yeah. got it, you got it down better than I do. Keep going. Yes, yes. Isn't it, the end of it something like uh, where he says, and if you find in yourself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical conclusion is that you were made for another world. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I imagine, Ron, I mean, you. I love this metaphor of hunger because you're right. It's not one that you've just conveniently sort of packaged for us, but you do. You're right. I love how you say it's in the garden. We obviously see it in the Psalms to taste and see that the Lord is good. And yes. uh, the way food, the, the banquet, these these things uh, are, are so part and parcel of the gospel uh, yes. and, you know, the preparation of a banquet. And I'm sure, Rondi, uh, a great section of your book is when you uh, unpack a little more how Christ is the very feast for our souls. And yes. uh, forgive that ring there. That was... Uh, <laughs> A, a telemarketer from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I hope a telemarketer, not a collector. But uh, we uh, we would love to hear you talk about that. In, in what way um, is Christ the very uh, satisfaction that our souls have longed for? 
Oh, yes. Well, it, I mentioned that I think of the book as a book of show and tell. And in the first half, what I show in each chapter is that Christ is the answer to that chapter's problem. Mm-hmm. And by taking us through the problem where we feel it and we think, oh, no, how are we going to fix this? And finally taking us to Christ as the answer to that part of it. I'm hoping to show people again and again that he is the true satisfaction of every one of our soul's hungers. Yes. Now, when I was in my 30s, I had an experience of a of a soul crippling hunger that lasted almost the entire decade. Hmm. And it, it was a it was an identity hunger. It was a. Okay, I'm a mom, but I'm supposed to have this great career that everyone tells me I should have. I don't know how to do that while I'm raising my kids. Okay, now my kids are in school. Where's that great career I'm going to have that fits into the little blocks of time in my life? And what I started to re and I thought I can't find it. Mm-hmm. I and I started to become obsessed about that and in anguish. And I realized I wasn't looking for a career, I was looking for an identity. Yes. And it was the kind of thing where I'd wake up in the middle of the night and sit bolt upright in bed and think, I feel like my soul is a black hole Mm. and I couldn't fill it. Hmm. And it was during that period of time in which I struggled for a long time. And of course I read the Bible. I was still praying and reading the Bible and doing all the stuff you do. Um, that God began to speak to me about Christ being the bread of life Mm being my bread for my life, that Christ is my life. And I think in finding Christ as my life in terms of answering my identity question, I suddenly realized the gospel is a whole lot bigger than I thought it was. Yes. Because I had had this struggle and I go to church and hear about Christ dying for my sins and I go, yeah, 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 I get that. He forgave me, that's great, I need that every day. But I feel this other thing over here And it feels like it's outside the reach of what Christ has done. Mm. And it's not. Yes. It's not. Christ is a greater savior than I realize. Mm. And his finished work applies to everything. Yes. And that's what, and I think if you only see that in one area, then suddenly you realize it'll be true in a thousand areas. Rondi, that is excellent. Uh, I love that the way you have painted that. Yes, I do think that mm-hmm. is a common struggle for, for men and women both that, yeah, Christ has handled my status, uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm forgiven, I'm righteous before God, but you're right. I think the way you phrase that, that we carry within us, this suspicion that the satisfaction we crave is somehow out of reach in, in terms of what Christ did. And we find it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Yes, that is so good. And I mean, one of the things we've loved about uh, having women uh, like you, Elise, we've had Marcy Preheim, some other ladies on this podcast, is um, Nathan and I are both married, which means we live with a second conscience, which is always very helpful. Uh, it, It also means we get a pretty good window into sort of unusual... Um, pressures, sadly, even church pressures on women today. And I've sort of got a personal vow whenever we have a a woman who is so uh, committed to a grace-centered perspective of the Bible, of life, of faith, 
to ask her that question. I know it's a, maybe a little bit out of the scope of what you cover in the book, or perhaps not. Could you talk to us about that, Ronnie, a little bit about how you've seen, because uh, you just mentioned yourself in your 30s, feeling yes. that pressure. Some of that seemed to be uh, uniquely related to womanhood, personhood, motherhood. Yes. Um, yes. Could, could you talk about that in terms of how you see women in particular uh, impacted? Yes, even in the evangelical, good Bible-preaching churches that they are in. So uh, in terms of identity questions? Yes. Yes. Well, I think um, in some ways the church, the evangelical church, has not served us well by by talking enough about the image of God in women mm-hmm. and instead going too quickly to the roles, huh. that the God-given roles that we've been given. And we are so much bigger our lives are so much fuller than simply the roles we're called to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what happens is women get reduced by that. And so it's hard. So then we go outside the church to be, to be built up and encouraged that, yes, you can do this, use your gifts here. Um, be, you know, be fully formed as a woman and I don't think we hear that as much of that encouragement within the church. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Rondi. That's helpful. That We're noticing that as a pretty consistent theme. And Nathan and I are trying to make up for lost time, aren't we, Nathan? Because the first year, we didn't talk too much. Because, yeah. you know, I think you've learned this about us, Rondi. We're two guys. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we kind of Never talk. know in today's society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Either that or you got a very bad cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I seem to always have that, but we uh, it's something we're playing a little catch up on, you know, and some of our listeners said, boy, we'd love to get some other women uh, on there and talk about uh, issues that are really, really pertinent to women. Uh, but I don't mean in any way to suggest that your book Hungry is a woman's book. It's obviously got a much broader uh, audience, broader appeal. And um, if I could move on to the second portion of well- your book. Uh, uh, of your book, Ronnie. Unless did you did you want to say something there? Well, I was just I had another thought about your question that you asked because it is a great, a very good question. Um, I think that women need to see themselves as God sees them. Mm. That that the father, as he looks at his daughters as well as his sons, sees us fully fully formed in Christ. Sees us as He meant us to be created and created and redeemed. So. One thing I want to do is bring us closer to the personhood of God in Christ. And so that does transition to the second half of the book. Mm. Um, it seems to me that when we go to sit down, when we wake up in the morning, uh, typically, often people read their Bibles in the morning. We wake up hungry, not just for food, but our souls are hungry. We wake up with an emptiness. And the problem is, we go to read, let's say we open up our Bibles in the morning to try to find something to fill the empty spot. But the problem is during the night, it seems to happen to me, I think it happens to everyone, it's like our soul defaults to the old operating system. We go to sleep believing the gospel. We wake up wondering if there's a God hmm. and wondering if he likes us and thinking, oh, no, what do I need to do? to get back in God's favor. What do I need to do to, to get it right? 
And so then we open our Bibles and we read the Bible so we can find out what to do to be okay with God and to get from him the things we need. So what I want to show is it's not just our, our legalism, it's our view of God himself mm. that we need to correct through the scriptures and that he wants to show us how good he is. Because if we think we have to do things to earn God's favor, then our view of God um, is that he's holding back. He's always holding back on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. that's, that's not the God of scripture. However, that is the God that Satan wants us to believe in. Yes. In Genesis 3, the ancient lie that God is not good and he is holding back on you. Yes. Yes, Roddy. I find, too, that people often read the Bible itself uh, apart from whatever material content they're getting that day in their devotion, uh, in their uh, quiet time. Um, apart from that, the, the sort of larger issue often lurking in the back of the Bible reader's mind, don't you think it's fair to say is often... I'm doing this very act to get God kind of aligned to my side and and um, to make sure that I get the proper result. I think your vending machine analogy yeah. was helpful. Don't, don't you think many people might even, uh, perhaps not even consciously, but carry that understanding into their Bible reading? Yes, I do. I think... Um... It's like your your checklist. Your I've done well today. Mm-hmm. It's my brown. I've earned my brownie points with God, and done all the right things. And now I can safely go into my day because I've done the things I need to do. Yes. So, Rondi, let me let me ask you this question. Um, uh-huh. Several years ago, R.C. Sproul was asked, um, you know, about doing devotions and he said something rather interesting basically you know show me in the bible where it tells me i need to do devotions every day um i need to read my bible every day um what are your thoughts on devotional life and and frequency and and things like that in terms of our spiritual hunger and uh, Rondi, I'm sorry. I realize Nathan just asked you a tough question since your husband's a Presbyterian pastor. <laughs> Nathan likes to ask those questions. Good job, Nathan. Good <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's no divine command that says do this and you shall live. Um, three times a day, read your Bible. Yeah. Twice a day, once a day, once a week, once a month. That's not in there. And any rules we make up for ourselves should be simply wisdom rules in terms of what, what do I need mm. from scripture? But I think that, you know, the, the scripture, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly mm-hmm. is the guideline. Um, as we feed on Christ and his goodness fills our souls, it changes everything in our life and it equips us for the works he calls us to do. So, um, but the thing is, calling it food and saying it's going to help you go out and run your race doesn't doesn't get rid of the legalism. Hmm. All it does because we're legalistic about food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our legalism goes deep. All our rulemaking and all our trying to measure up. So really, it's it's in Christ Himself. It's in seeing Jesus on the pages of our Bible that we see the goodness of God made visible. Mm. Because Christ is the one who reveals the Father. 
And we have not just the details of his sinless life in the Gospels, but we have the theology unpacked in the epistles, and we have all the promises and the foreshadowing in the Old Testament. So we have a chance not just to see Christ once, but to see him a thousand times a thousand ways Mm -hmm. so that every part of our souls can be met with the goodness of God in the face of Christ. Beautiful, beautiful. Rhonda, in in that vein then, uh, I'm picturing a... um... Perhaps a young mother who has yes. her hands full. Um, she's got sick kids at home. Budget's a yep. little tight. She's feeling, you know, great stress. Uh, maybe not yes. seeing her husband as as often as she would like because of job schedules. I'm picturing sort of that um, right. very stressed out young woman. I bet you've met a thousand times, and I have as well. Uh, if you were sitting down with her for a cup of coffee, and she were to say to you. Um, Honey, I mean, I, I might have 10 minutes a day to, to get into my Bible. Um, what am I trying to do when I do that? How, how, yeah. how, how would you talk to that woman? That's great. And that is a woman that I've had on my mind as I've written this book, too. Um, I would say to her that what you need to realize is this isn't about you coming to Christ about you doing something and coming into his presence. He's sitting at the table, just inviting you to sit down with him Mm. for a few minutes. I think the word come is my favorite four letter word in the Bible. Wow. It's, it's so beautiful. And I start the whole second half of the book with a chapter entitled come because we need to see the widespread arms of our savior inviting us to the table. And saying, sit down, I know you're hungry. Here, let me just feed you a little something. I know you don't have time. Take care of yourself before you go and take care of all those children. Receive from me. And I actually have a chapter. There's an interlude between part one and part two, and I call it 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay, so I could say 10 minutes, but I called it. (laughs) Sure, sure. it's really about the the parable of the talents I talk about, but it's about the value of taking a small amount. Let's say all you have is 15 minutes a day and you go, ah, what's the use of that? Because we tend to think if we don't take two hours and open all the concordances and commentaries, <laughs> we haven't done it. But really 15 minutes a day, if you add it up over, if you invest it over a week, over a month, over a year, you end up with a 40-hour work week that you have spent in the scriptures. So just one, encouraging that woman with the gracious invitation of this Savior and that she's meeting with him and he wants to feed her. But then also the practical of small amounts add up and invest. Don't despise your small amounts of time. Just take it and invest it. Mm. And you will become a woman who knows the goodness of the God. Excellent. That's really good. Rodney, we're um, looking here. It's hard to believe the time is passing quickly. Uh, and again, we're just getting the, the, the tip of the iceberg on your book. We always like to ask authors, particularly when we haven't had the privilege yet of reading it, um, we know that we always think, you know, the, the few books I've written, I've always said, man, I wish they would ask me this. This is my, 
<laughs> you know, this is the softball down the middle of the plate I can't wait to take a swing at, and I don't know that we've asked that. Is there is there something uh, before we um, before we wrap up today that you wanted to share about your book that really resonates with you or you think might resonate with the readers? Well, um, yes, there is. Thank you so much for asking that. Sure. I've, I've kind of I've alluded to this, but I want to say it more clearly, um, that Jesus is is the answer to our hunger. But he's not the answer in the Sunday school way of, you know, Jesus, Lord, uh, I know the answer to this question. Can we talk about something interesting? Yes. He is, he is more like the one who, when we find ourselves walking down a dark alley in life and it's getting more and more narrow and we're starting to feel trapped, and we look side, from side to side for answers or for escapes. And we're trying to figure things out. And then we come to a dead end. And we're up against a wall with no options. And suddenly we look to the right. And there he is. There he is. He is the answer to this. He is the answer to a thousand hungers that I have. To hungers I haven't even experienced yet. And so I want women and men who read this book and learn to see Christ that way to bring their hungers to God rather than trying to fix their hungers before they come. Yes. Excellent, Rondi. Wow. I, uh, I am very, very eager to get my hands on this book again, Hungry. And Rondi, I don't think we asked you at the beginning, are we pronouncing your name correctly? You are. Lauterbach? Yes. Great. You're doing very well. Good, good. <laughs> Sometimes that's about all Nathan and I can muster. <laughs> but uh, no, this was great. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed chatting with you both. You too, Rondi. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Greg, Rondi, we just rocked the Casbah. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to Rondi Ladderbach. Uh, such a great, great um, topic, hungry and our spiritual need for hunger and how Christ is the only one that will satisfy that. Uh, we do want to give away three of her books, so we are going to do that through PNR Publishing. So go ahead and what you're going to do is you're going to go ahead and tweet that out. Uh, this podcast. So it's going to be released. You're going to tweet out the the link to the podcast and that it's been released on your media and then you'll be entered in to the drawing for that. So, uh, you know, feel free to do that. Looking forward to it uh, again. Thank you so much to Calvinist Colson being a, a faithful listener. You won the Sam Alberry book. Make sure you go ahead and uh, shoot us an email. These go to 11 all spelled out the number 15 at gmail.com and we'll get your info and make sure that uh, Sam Alberry's book is God Anti-Gay gets sent off to you. Um, so thanks guys for listening and hope you enjoy. These go to 11.